Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host KB, and this podcast brings you the audio experience of GameDev.TV. Now, let's get right into the podcast. My name is Bart Vashak. Uh, I'm a senior software engineer at Respawn Entertainment. Studios part of the whole EA family of studios. And my last game was Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, released just last year. Hey, that was a fun game. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. yeah. So let's go all the way to the beginning. So how did you get started with programming? Did you do, was it like a hobby or did you just start doing it because of school? Uh, I really did start very early. Um, I was really a kid. Um, it was actually so long time ago that I don't really exactly remember the age when I uh, when I started. Uh, I was probably around, I don't know, eight, nine years old. Uh, and my first computer was Atari uh, 65XE. And it was wow. like 1988. Uh, and my first programming was really absolutely the start so i was trying to write something in atari basic uh, i had one book uh, the only book available to me uh, which was explaining um, like all the basic programming for atari uh, and it was really great actually i read that book from the beginning till the end with uh, like every page probably twice uh, so that was the way i started actually programming um, mm -hmm. But it evolved very naturally into uh, like more advanced programming. Uh, when I remember, like much better, it was around when I was like 14 years old, um, 13, 14 years old, when finally I had PC uh, mm -hmm. and I started like programming more advanced stuff. I, I started again with basic, uh, but I switched to other languages also. So I really did start very early with my programming, but it wasn't really just game programming. I was really learning programming in general. I was just excited about it. Looking at your website, and I saw the section that you had on demo scene, and that is epic. I actually had seen several of those demos previously, so That's cool. you're a bit of a hero to me. I, I've heard of you <laughs> prior to this. That's great. <laughs> Bringing you guys together. Yeah, so moving back forward, uh, did you were you naturally like good at programming, or was it very difficult for you at the beginning? Uh Actually, it was very natural. The way I feel it and the way I remember it, it was very natural. I didn't really feel kind of struggle um, to learn because I was eager to learn and I was really spending a lot of time trying to learn because because just it was so exciting for me to just to write programs, to write code. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't really remember, you know, of course, when you learn, it means that probably you had, you had some problem you had to solve and, and you had some struggle. So yeah, of course there was, you know, learning isn't always easy, but I don't really remember having like big obstacles or, or some problems with that. It was very natural progress. Uh, I also need to say I was really, most of the time I was learning by myself. So it was mostly like with books, uh, reading and some magazines. There was no internet back then. <laughs> yeah, so, it was much harder. Yeah, so it was a bit harder, but also, you know, it was very, books usually uh, are very, precise and are very good at teaching you uh, in correct steps. Right now, when you have internet and access in theory to everything at once, you can also struggle actually how to start, what's the correct path for me and things like that. I didn't really feel that way back then in time. 
Uh, also, maybe because I had just limited amount of books and limited amount of yeah. you know possibilities, so I knew exactly what I want. So yeah, that was like uh, I didn't really feel that there that, that there was like any problem with education or or it was just very natural for me. I had also you know probably the biggest thing for me was uh, that. Uh, writing code was like very creative thing for me and that was so exciting that I was like overcoming any obstacle I had so just to write code was so exciting that I could do like you know a lot to do it no I relate to it a lot where it's just like you see the code that you possibly can make and you just like the, the possibilities are endless. So what what do I want to make today? What do I want to build? Yeah. And then you go from there. It get, brings you down a rabbit hole of like, hey, how do I do this? And you read the book. You watch videos on YouTube. But I also fall into the problem where it's like you can find so many things to do that you lose the grasp of like what you're actually doing. You start to go down like maybe I should try this. Maybe I should do that. And then you lose the project you were doing. And so yeah. how do you stay focused? Yeah. Like, how, what advice would you give for people now who are like having a hard time staying focused? Yeah, the, I think the the most important thing is to have clear like goal. You need to set a goal, and I'm thinking about both like long term goal and short term goal. So uh, let's say right now in let's say current reality, you can say that let's say my my long-term goal is to become i don't know animation programmer and mm -hmm. you need to set up a few short-term goals along that path and what you, what, what you want to learn what what kind of goals you want to achieve along the line and just and just do it like one by one of course there will be it won't be like a straight path <clears throat> there will be always some <laughs> issues along the line and no, of course, and yeah. Yeah, and you will need to change your path probably slightly, but as long as long you have like some goal in your side, uh, I think that's very helpful because it is possible, like you said, that there are so many things you can do, especially when you have like freedom and like uh, you don't really have anything specific. There are so many things interesting and so many things you can work on. Uh, it's very easy to lose your like focus. So yeah, I would say long-term goal and short-term goals. That's very helpful. And I, actually, I do. This is the way I work right now, and this is the way I like. Even when I work on some personal projects or my self-education, I, I would say that's exactly the same. Um, to stay focused, I need to really see what's the goal for me even for one day or, or a week. Um, and this is what I want to achieve. And then I, after a while, I, I just, I just, I just see if, yeah, did I reach a goal, the goal I really wanted. So that's, that's kind of very, very easy way. Uh, but also, uh, I think it's also good to take a look at other people, what they, what they did or what they are working on or, or what's their focus uh, to help you actually, you know, stay in focus on your or on your things because it's kind of easier to see, okay, these people did this and that and uh, they were successful at it and they were able to achieve their goals. So how it kind of relates to me, I think that's also helpful. Mm-hmm. I agree. Now, what advice would you give for people starting out? And would you tell them to like read a book, to take a course, or to just build something and try to learn from that? Uh, that that's not an easy question. I would say mm -hmm. probably all of it, um, mm -hmm. because uh, you know you need to have like really strong education. So I still believe books are probably the best source of like structured knowledge. Uh, also some like online classes, it's like right now it's like explosion of it, all the online mm -hmm. 
like learning, teaching. Uh, there are also very good sources there, but still having a good book in your library is very it's very helpful. Some of them are really big, and you can find a lot of things there, and they are like if they are written by one author or, or even two or three authors, they are really well structured and you can see like progress of your knowledge and everything kind of grouped together in like correct way. Uh, when you have like scattered information in the on the internet, it's kind of harder to sometimes to see bigger picture and to, to, to know the structure of your knowledge better. But still, I think books are extremely important. On the other hand, the best way of learning actually from that book is to write something, do something on your own. So not only reading about things that you are learning, but almost immediately trying to use it in practice. So the best way to do it is to run like some personal projects. I think that's really necessary, especially for someone who wants, uh, let's say, junior kind of job, like entry-level job in the industry, when you don't have really anything to show what you've been working on and what you did, I think it's harder to convince recruiters or people that you are worth uh, like hire, being hired. So definitely, even, even if it is a small game or some small research project or something related to video game industry, I think it's necessary for someone to have, uh, like, when we look at the resume, at CVs of people, we definitely will try something and see your website or your personal project just to see how it looks and if you did actually anything. So I would say that, yeah, these two things are definitely important. You know, the overall education, like, do you need, like, specific school? or specific, I don't know, classes, that's harder to say because there are like, um, there are not that many, uh, like, you know, schools related to game dev programming. If I could choose just one, uh, that would be probably DigiPen in Seattle. Okay. Uh, that's like really, at Respawn, we have like a few people who were like learning there and they mm -hmm. finished that school. So that's probably the best school, <laughs> if I can, if I can say so. So, but that's definitely not the, the like the only way. Mm -hmm. Now, when going from let's say school to the industry, how different is the work, or is it not as hard as like it seems like? Uh, you know, I think it depends on kind of school. Uh, I didn't finish DigiPen. I'm like uh, I finished really classical uh, computer science. Actually, it was probably even more oriented into math, as like computer science being part of of whole math like learning. Uh, so my uh, my like uh, my comparison would be really big, uh, like because like it's very different from the way you learn. A computers, classic computer science. And when I think about classic computer science, I think about algorithms, data structures, um, like computational uh, things, like a really strong math base, like calculus, uh, derivatives, um, everything like, you know, really strong base in math. Game programming is very different and working on a game project is very different uh, to that but it's you know it's still programming so if you are doing your personal projects you 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 will be fine but if I can compare let's say DigiPen and the way they uh, like teach uh, specifically game development I would say it's very similar to the way you uh, you know, work in video game industry because you, you have really like uh, from my colleagues, I know that uh, they were really working on specific projects, solving similar problems we are solving during game development, um, working in similar, you know, with similar 
other people who are designers or artists. So that's, I would say, very similar. So if you have like really game development specific school, that's not very different. And it's really great way to, to prepare you. Of course, the scale is different. And yeah, uh, and you know, when you, when you do not solve the problem at school, you just have like maybe worst grade. But when you don't solve a problem during like game development, yeah, it in impacts the game directly or we need to find another solution. So that's definitely more responsibilities for you. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's the way it works, I would say. Mm -hmm. And then should one study a lot of like data structures, algorithms and all that stuff to do gameplay programming? Or should they focus more on like understand how to do game mechanics and like engines? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, uh, probably when you are just starting and you are really excited about game programming, it's probably better to focus on game-specific things. Like you said, like game mechanics are, are like really specific things you want to do for the game. Um, but you can't really run away from classic, like... Uh, algorithms and, and data structures, which is like a foundation of, of computer science. Uh, probably also on like technical interviews, um, you won't escape these kind of questions also. Uh, so you need to know at least some basics, let's say, I don't know, sorting program algorithms or some basic data structures like graphs, like uh, linked lists and it's really just just the foundation you need to know it uh, so as the year you know and going forward uh, you will again meet like you these kind of like structures in your work it's it's more I would say it's rare when you need to like really dive deep uh, into like uh, classic like algorithm from computer science when you are working on game development uh, but it's still possible um, the difference is that in game development we focus really a lot of on performance and um, we don't really care so much on uh, things like um, let's say theoretical performance or some like very general cases what computer science is about like science is about more like general things not really uh, something connected let's say to specific hardware let's say you have consoles when some specific algorithms work better than the others and performance is very specific so you you will work a bit on something different but still you can't really run away from these like foundations so I would say, yeah, that if someone wants, it's really at the beginning. Yeah, it's probably easier to start with things you are really interested in. So all those like game specific things, mm -hmm. but along the way, yeah, you will need to learn something more. And now when it gets to like very computer science part of human game development, how would you recommend people study that? Because I know when you're making games, sometimes that stuff gets left under and it's, you're more focused on mm -hmm. just the game mechanic and not like the mm -hmm. API or like behind the scenes. So what would you recommend? Uh, it's really like, you know, classic like um, computer science. Let's say it starts with all the sorting algorithms mm -hmm. and uh, like comparison for every like uh, performance characteristics and um, data structures that works with. Uh, that's like a really classic start for computer science. I would start with that. Um, and going further, all the data structures that we have, like um, arrays, linked lists, double linked lists, um, graphs, that's like the whole theory and the whole um, chapter for graphs, all the traversal for graphs. Um, that's really like the start. That's really like the mm -hmm. start. And and going further, you will need to touch um, 
multi-threading, um, like like how to synchronize uh, multiple threads. That's something you will need to learn along the line. And of course, C++. Uh, that's like really, I guess, 95% of your work goes into C++. We do have other languages. Um, if you work in Unity, that might be C Sharp, which is still like based on C. Uh, mm -hmm. But let's say in AAA programming, AAA game development, it's really C++. It's like really going deep into details of C++. And C++, it's not an easy language to learn. <laughs> As probably everyone who, yeah. who tried and started uh, will learn at some point that it's really, it had a lot of, it has like a lot of little things, little pitfalls everywhere that you can like uh, dive into and find yourself in troubles. So that's hard language to learn actually. And it has a lot of things you can do with that language and a lot of little things everywhere to learn. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the way I would say. Awesome. See, I was going to add a comment earlier when you were talking about uh, when you were talking about knowing how to write data structures and stuff. Because you're right, during interviews, they're definitely going to ask you those kinds of questions. But my favorite answer yeah. to that is, well, that's a task that I would assign to the library writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've used the lerp function. I couldn't write one though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes it could work if the you know people who is interviewing you. Is you know uh, <laughs> sensitive <laughs> enough, I would say, to to understand what it means that you you don't really need to know everything. Uh, you can sometimes you know just Google it. That is possible, <laughs> but still, I believe like there are some basics that you need to know exactly what it does and what it means, uh, even though you won't write it by by yourself and you will just use it you still need to know how it works. Mm -hmm. I agree to that, because then there come points where you'll be like, okay, I've never, I don't know how to do it, but I know what I need to look for. Like he was saying, like I can just look it up. But having yeah. that kind of understanding helps you implement it better. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, sometimes understanding is enough. You don't even, you need to like prove it that you wrote it by yourself, but still understanding is, is very important. I think another thing that's also a very useful institutional skill is the ability to read an API and, and make something useful out of it, right? Yes. You know, reading like cppreference.com, being able to look at, you know, look at what's defined there for the syntax and you know, what the yeah. arguments are, the different you know, versions of the language, which is another really yeah. complicated thing about C. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. That's, that's... C and C++. Yes, exactly. There are a lot of versions of C++ and even C, so that's that's sometimes challenging. Uh, yeah, and actually reading code, reading C++ code, you need probably do it even better than writing sometimes because you will read most of your time if you are working with huge code base uh, like Unreal Engine or, or other big AAA games. Um, you will read most of the time code you didn't write uh, and you need to understand very well like uh, what what's happening and being able to actually understand and reading is definitely extremely important we do it like all the time much more like much more frequently than we write our code mm -hmm. that's a key part of here because most people don't understand that it's like oh I, I know how to write it but i'll just ignore the uh the code that I'm reading later on, I'll just get to it later. And then they never really yeah. get to it, never really understand it, never really comprehend yeah. what's happening. If it can, yeah, if it can help mm -hmm. someone uh, just trying to understand and reading the code, you, like Unreal Engine is, all the source code is available right now. Uh, for like, you can, you can just read it on the internet and download it. Uh, just reading and analyzing that code is extremely helpful to like help you uh, be better programmer because like uh, just reading the code, being able to understand the code is extremely important in our work because 
when we develop the game, we don't replace that code. We just need to use it and sometimes, um, you know, uh, put something in between there or know exactly what's happening there. So reading is extremely important. And as, as I said, of... yeah. Oh, what you're saying? And also like, it's also great like learning opportunity to, to, mm -hmm. to just read other code. That's really great source of knowledge. So, like, do you think the best idea would be like go into like the Unreal documents or go into like GitHub and just look at other people's code? Yeah, yeah, that's really yeah. that's really great. And you, because you will need to do it anyway uh, mm -hmm. at some point uh, in your work. Um, so even if it won't be uh, Unreal Engine, it will be some other um, other framework, other engine. Which, quite frankly, all of them are quite similar to each other. Of course, they differ in details, but you will see a lot of similar things there. So it's not like you learn Unreal and you switch engines and you can forget about all, all your knowledge. That's definitely the opposite. Okay. Now, what about math? Is math a very important part or you just need to know a few things like dot product? And... Uh, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I'm I come from like math background and I believe that yeah. math is like the most important part of it but yeah. I can also imagine and I actually have seen a lot of very good programmers who like they don't really need to touch math a lot and actually sometimes very little let's say if you are I don't know uh, let's say you are working on some streaming technology or something not directly related to anything like geom geometry you don't really work with geometry uh, then probably you will touch more very little very very little if you work on some I don't know online subsystems like some communication stuff um, or some even some AI work which relates to I don't know behavior trees, some like uh, really higher level um, like some data structures like okay. like the way you are you want to organize things. I've seen a lot of people that don't they don't really need a lot of math. Sometimes very little, as I said, and they are really good programmers. Uh, but if you want to be, you know, uh, being able to work in most part of game programming and if you want to be really good at it, you can't run away from math. And you will see in some like specialities, you probably will do more math than some some like some very like deep dive programming because like you know 3d world the game world as i even said right now it's like 3d world it's mm -hmm. like geometry everywhere you have like just your virtual world virtual world like you have around us right now and everything there is just math so every object has its position and rotation and scale uh every relation between objects uh, is based on vectors, on distances, on uh, angles. Uh, everything about it is just math, and it's very well defined in math. Uh, what do you what do you need to do? What kind of tools you need to use to to solve problems? As you mentioned, like dot product, cross product, angles. It's like must have. I would say it's really a must-have and it's just a start uh, but it, again is in many cases is not enough and you need to dive deeper we have like inverse kinematics uh, we have the whole physics we have like 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 you said Aaron like we have like lerp slurp and every other interpolation we think about we have <laughs> yeah we have like like busier curves we have like Every movement in the game, that's another thing. Every movement you can think about is physics. Basically, like velocities are everywhere. 
whatever is moving has velocity. So that's math. That's everywhere is math. Uh, so if you really want to be good at like game programming, uh, you need to know math. And majority of studios, including Respawn, you need math if you want to if you want to be hired because like you will be tested with math for mm -hmm. sure what i can say so that's that's really uh the base to to, to if mm -hmm. you want to be good good at game programming but as i said before there are some you know i would say in very very big uh like game teams um there are some, you know, things you want to work on on the game when you really use very little math, and and that's still possible. But small, medium size, and some like really good best game studios, every programmer needs to know some math because you will you will work with that for sure. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, it's a three D world, so you you have to know math yeah. if you want to create the world. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's 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 the way it is. Was uh, thinking of another thing you know, on on the earlier topic we had about being able to read APIs. Sorry, I'm a bit obsessive. <laughs> I keep going back <laughs> that's okay. to the same things. Uh, one of the things you said, Kevin, you said um, you said you know go and look at every you know other people's code, and I would definitely mm -hmm. agree with that. But there is something to add to that: is that it does matter what code you're looking at in particular. So, like mm -hmm. he was saying, you know, look at the source code for the Unreal Engine. I've done that. I've dived into their network stack to see how they were doing it, you know, as, mm -hmm. as I was working on my own networking prototypes. And, yeah. you know, look at the actual STL code. Like, look at the STL headers. There's some brilliance in there that you can learn so much from. It, it does yeah, matter definitely. the quality of code. Consider that a company like Microsoft and Epic and and places like that, they're, they have tons of money that they pour into research. Their code is reviewed by, you know, industry-leading experts, right? That's, there's some great value in learning from there. Yeah, definitely. That's true. Exactly. That's, that's, I, w I, I wouldn't even add anything to that. That's, that's really definitely true. Especially if you are looking at high-quality code, that's, that's just everything what you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take, take from <laughs> the best and make it your own. Now you said it well, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for being the final word on that. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, it's, you know, no, I mean, good. there are definitely some places. So, like, take you know, take our guest here right now, being on the demo scene in the early days. There is the place where you find some of the most brilliant innovation that exists in programming. Being able to cram, you know, such amazing experiences into such small files is just yeah. That's that's that you know, was, yeah. Yeah, that that was very specific time in my like programming life, I would say, because most of these things I created actually in assembly language, uh, which is like right now you don't really use it <laughs> uh, almost at all. Um, there was a time when people did write a bit in assembly to 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 like squeeze the best performance, uh, but right now really everything what you need is C plus uh, plus. But yeah, programming in assembly <laughs> it was really uh, assembly language also like taught me how really CPU works, how access to memory works. How really internal things of, of computer are uh, computers are connected together? How it works, instruction by instruction. Um, that was tough to learn, but it was also quite natural way when I started to dive deeper from basic, some uh, Pascal along the the path, and then assembly language, trying to understand even better all the internal things, how computer works. And because of that, I could also do a lot of things like, let's say, four kilobyte demo, which is doing kind of like amazing stuff uh, visually, but it fits really with four kilobytes. So that was really amazing. It was possible with assembly language. Uh, right now, I don't really recommend learning assembly language like uh sure if you have like enough years and you have enough experience it's really uh 
good to, to at least to see how it works because it will uh, teach you much better how like internal things in computers work. But it's kind of tough right now, especially with that we don't really use it. <laughs> One thing that is kind of maybe the modern equivalent of that is is that there are a lot of disassemblers available, like Godbolt, where you can look yeah. at you know the code that you've written and see your C plus plus. Do you use tools like that? Uh, yes, sometimes I do use it. Um, it's rare, but definitely this kind of like reverse engineering. So like trying to analyze uh, what's behind it. Yeah, we do use it sometimes, at least at least for me. But yeah, it's really reading again, <laughs> not really writing. But yeah, that's mm -hmm. still it's still helpful in that regard, definitely. Mm -hmm. Now, going back to what we were talking about math, for you, programming is, or well, actually for everybody, right? Programming is more about solving the problem than it is about writing code. Because I remember I was listening to this awesome speech where the guy said, like, most people think it's always on the computer, but to be honest, 90% of it is just thinking about it. And Aaron and I worked on this code, it took us a while to make, and it's most of the time was just thinking about it, planning out, making sure it was perfect. So when we do write it, it fits and it works for what it needs to do. So what would you say to people who think that they have to always just immediately go to the computer and write programming? Like, how important is it to go off of it and think about the problem? Oh, yeah, that's definitely important. And, like, um, sometimes it's like you said that just um, it's, like, about solving problems. And to solve the problem, you need to solve it in your head first, probably. Mm -hmm. uh, and then just to write the code. Sometimes it's kind of the opposite so like the problem is actually in code uh, and you just need to you know fix the code which is there uh, but if you're working on bigger issues and as you said solving a problem yeah that's thinking about it it's really like the, the most important part because like language is just a an expression of your solution which could be written in theory in every possible language you have Mm -hmm. And now, for instance, when you had to make the train for Assassin's Creed Syndicate, yeah. what was the process like doing that? Uh, that was, I would say, it was quite organic. Um, mm -hmm. So that was one of the first things uh, I started to work with when I joined the team. Uh, and it, like, it came, like very naturally i would say so i started with very basic uh, movement for wagons and the whole train and i realized that i can do something more um i can create some nice uh, coupling uh, between wagons like moving chain and it kind of progressed naturally from that point and uh, everyone was excited about it that we can do something uh, really cool there uh, and they were motivating me actually to do something more there uh, so we can have like really historically accurate things uh, in Assassin's mm. Creed which is kind of important for Assassin's Creed because it's kind of like uh, jumping through different historical periods of time uh, to represent that like that moment in time in that case it was 19th century London uh, so yeah, that was very natural and a uh, very organic process and, you know, it took me probably uh, one year with some, of course, with some interruptions uh, from the beginning uh, to have some really, like, quite good looking uh, implementation in the game. And of course, I wasn't working alone, uh, I was also, like, cooperating with other people, but uh, but yeah, like things related specifically to moving train, uh, that was, yeah, mostly me. That's really good too, because a lot of people think things have to be solved right away, but you said it took a year, so that's yes, for all that the games was, the TV students' patience. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Especially, you know, uh, when you have like a really big game, like Assassin's Creed is really every... Every game is like really one of the biggest AAA games released 
uh, almost every year right now, every two, three years. Uh, so working in bigger games, especially such big, uh, it's really, you need to be patient because that's a big system connection of different like complex subsystems. So you kind of work slowly to make sure that you don't break anything. And because of its complexity, you just need to spend more time on developing something. And also uh, reaching high quality, like uh, Assassin's Creed are, you know, great games. Uh, there are a lot of high quality work there. And if you want to reach high quality uh, in your work, you just need to spend a lot of time on it and you need to, you know, repeat, detect, detect problems, repeat again, a lot of iterations. Uh, so yeah, it's taking a lot of time to do it. Mm -hmm. Now, what keeps you motivated in those times when things take like a long time? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, that's like... <laughs> I really like the, you know, <coughs> paycheck. The, yeah. <laughs> also, <laughs> yeah, you know, I really like, you know, the, the result of high quality work. And this is what keeps me motivated when I can improve something. Uh, so it all comes down to, uh, you know, also fighting your kind of perfectionism. Uh, it's you will never achieve perfect solution. It's just not possible. And uh, sometimes it's also like fighting yourself that you need to, you know, find the best solution that works. Uh, not maybe not the perfect one, but you don't have like five years to work on little things. You need to finish something and achieve the best quality you can. Uh, so uh, it's really kind of like quality thing, I would say for me, if I want, if I work on something, I want to achieve high quality and I want to be happy with results of my work. So that's what keeps me motivated. That's a really good answer. Wow. I need that. <laughs> now, what, mis <laughs> what mistakes do you see most junior gameplay programmers making? Um, sorry, what mistakes? Oh yeah, what mistakes do you see mostly juniors uh, programmers making? in their career uh, get started yeah you know uh, maybe it's something actually about what you just mentioned uh, my like path my way of learning and my way of programming as you can like know right now it's really long and it was kind of slow I need to say especially in comparison to like some other people uh, who maybe started just a few years ago. Uh, my kind of path was really slow, but I was extremely motivated and extremely focused and very um, kind of consistent uh, during the years. And maybe what I would say right now, people are not really patient uh so they would like to have like everything immediately and the best it would be when they have it right now uh i think a lot of like natural knowledge like doesn't come this way you need to be patient and results will come naturally i would say uh because like yeah I was going to say this is a this is a long and ongoing conversation that I've had with many people about software quality. So <laughs> you and I are of the kind where we don't feel like we can do something until we understand it well enough that we could teach someone else, and we can do it just you know from our head, conceptualize the yeah. code that needs to be written, <laughs> write the lines of code, and they pretty much work. You know out of the box you know you're you're at the point where you don't make you know syntax errors for example you understand yeah. how all of the pieces <laughs> of it works right it's uh yeah. yeah but it's it's challenging right yeah then there's the so. you know the college grads who know how to look stuff up on on uh, you know stack overflow <laughs> yeah. and and they can write code that works 
I find it interesting that it seems like a lot of the tool manufacturing companies like Microsoft and Google and stuff like that these days, or Facebook especially, are writing a lot of tools that are designed to write code for you. <laughs> yes, there is like, yes. Some code, yeah, it is It is useful to have like automation tool to, to write some like... Uh, code you would need to write all the time which is kind of tedious or something like that but yeah definitely like uh, patient it's very important when you learn and the results come along the way I would say yeah and sure. and and that that's that's what I see right now it's like maybe it's you know the result also of internet and such a such an easy access to information everywhere and all the pieces everywhere uh, people feel maybe that it's kind of overwhelming also uh, yeah. but you need to have your own path and you need to be consistent and patient with that and whatever you learn it's like mm, it, it, it stays with you it's like like you said like looking for maybe some you know uh, already written code on Stack Overflow or some automated code or something like that. Uh, when you you need to have that experience of solving the problem by yourself, even if in the in the end you will use some external knowledge, uh, experience of of solving your problem by yourself. Uh, yeah, it's really it's really something that teaches you something that you won't forget and you will always know what are the steps you did to, to solve that problem what what you experienced along the, the way and what worked what didn't work that's very useful and very important so here's a thought you know because we all use stuff that we don't fully understand at first right yeah right I mean I'm you know I've been using a vector uh, before I knew the difference really deep down and technical between a vector and an array, right? I, I was using them, and then I didn't know what the difference between that and the linked list was, but I could use them, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Until, you know, later on, as you're saying, you know, you spend that time to, you know, chase your curiosity and, and, and really learn the deep down technicals of those kinds of things. So I suppose it was perhaps a little arrogant of me to say, you know, earlier, like, you know, people like you and I that like to really dive deeply into this stuff. I think that's part of the journey in truth, right? Yes, exactly. That's a part of the journey. And still in my, in my work, I also use things as uh, black boxes, uh, like, like, like black box that you just have some input and I want some output. It's like, like you had with like, arrays or or linked lists that's a kind of like right. uh, vectors and you just put there something and you want some specific behavior out of it uh, but it's also kind of knowledge how to like know what defines good black box also right. and what you what you can expect from the black box so that's also important and definitely as as we as we know and as we actually said it's not possible to write everything and it, yeah. it would be stupid because it would be wouldn't be you know from economic point of view doesn't make sense at all so you also need to know how to work with black boxes but mm -hmm. as further as you go that's great to know what that bl black box uh, has inside that's that's definitely helpful. <laughs> now, back to what you were saying about overwhelmed. How do you think a lot of game TV or other programmers can figure out how to solve that? Because I know, I know, I struggle being overwhelmed, but like also I've seen other game TV programmers be like, you know. I just feel like there's so much to learn, so much to do. How do I find that path that you said I need to find? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's that's we kind of like we are maybe going back a big a bit to the beginning of our conversation. So like defining your goals, mm -hmm. um, that's something that narrows your path and narrows your like area of of, of searching for for your path. Uh, you know, it, it's it's also for me. I do it also still. Like, uh, 
trying to to define what I want to learn next. There are so many things interesting and so many things that I would like to know more about. But still I need to choose because I don't have like infinite amount of time. And just defining what's your goal, that's that's something that is, is very helpful. Uh, and what matter what matters probably most than other things is to have finished project. So I did finish like a lot of games in my past, but I know that there are people who sometimes worked on multiple things, but never really published any project. Uh, even if it means just putting it out there uh, on the internet, uh, it's still you need to reach some form of, of finishing the project. Uh, so that's something that helps you define also your your path what you want to uh what you need to do to achieve some phase of finishing the project and it's helpful also to define what maybe you are missing in your skills or what you want to learn more about to be able to finish the project to finish the game uh, so it also could be very helpful for anyone who are kind of overwhelmed where they want to start or, or with learning something new or or um, what's my path that's that's really really tough question to answer because it's really there is also like huge difference between big AAA games and smaller indie studios or kind of medium-sized studios which are kind of rare right now because you right now usually you have either big AAA studio or kind of small studio below i don't know 30 people um, maybe respawn is a bit unusual because like our team on a project is kind of like 120 people uh, so it's not as big let's say as assassin's creed when sometimes we have like 500 people working on one game wow. uh, so that's really like a lot so I would say that the, the big difference is that on smaller project you need to tackle a lot of different things in small team because you will you know you can't really work on one thing during the whole development time so you will need to learn and and being able to work with different systems and solve different problems in different subsystems. On big AAA game, you will need, if you want to be really good, you probably will need to go some way of being expert in some very specialized area. And most of the time you may work in just that one area of the game, let's say being just an animation programmer or just AI programmer on some specific system. Uh, that's harder to do when you are working in small team. You need to really tackle a lot of different things. Um, so, so yeah, maybe that's also a bit helpful for someone who wants to choose their, uh, like, let's say, long-term goal. Do I want to be more as a kind of generalist programmer? who needs to tackle a lot of different things in different places maybe really without being like expert in one area or do we, do i want to be just really focused on one area of game programming uh let's say maybe rendering or even some specialized mm -hmm. area of rendering R rendering is really a huge area of game development and I'm not really expert there I didn't really work a lot with rendering since my like demo scene times <laughs> so like <laughs> yeah, 15 yeah. or or 20 years ago when I wrote like my re software renderer in assembly but it was extremely long time ago and you know people work right now completely in different way uh, <laughs> right. so yeah so I did I'm not really an expert there uh, 
but I do tackle a lot of things outside of, of game of rendering programming. So that's also something helpful to define your long-term goal. And I actually, I had a kind of privilege to work both ways. I worked from like one programmer team when I was the, the, the only programmer on the team to like Assassin's Creed game when we had including people from every studio around the world. We had probably close to 1000 people working on the game. Uh, like probably, I don't know, 150 or 200 programmers. Uh, so that these kind of things are very like, you know, it's very different experience when I can compare both things, especially from your perception of working on big project, how I can be the most productive and the most useful on a project. I also like worked on everything in between. I worked in a, like five team programmers, like um, 15 team programmers. Uh, at Respawn, we are kind of somewhere in the middle. So every one of us uh, has some expertise in one of the areas, but still we tackle most of the time things from outside of our expertise because we are just like 15 programmers working on big AAA game. So that's really not a lot, but because of our experience, we really need to be able to, to focus on, on different things, even outside of our comfort zone. Are so, there... Yeah? Are there any techniques that you have or kind of methods that you use to to kind of be able to consume all of those different kinds of things? Like, you know, let's say you've never done anything with like simulating environment effects or something. How mm -hmm. do you get like into that headspace? How do you learn enough to, to be able to be effective there? Um, I think I, I start with, with some uh, understanding code so as, as we said earlier about reading the code, mm -hmm. uh, it is the first thing usually I do. And also learning some, like a, a, from the user perspective, uh, when I just try to understand the user perspective when I'm using the engine and using specific features I need to work with uh, and to fix something. So I'm just trying to understand the way it works from like user or player. So then I switch back to code and I'm trying to analyze the code, how it works uh, step by step, sometimes using debugger, uh, trying to add some uh, debugging tools there to understand better what's happening, uh, what's the flow of code, what's the flow of data, mm what's happening in between with some, as I said, with some additional debugging tools, either uh, printing some text with mm. some current status of data or some uh, visual additional uh, like things on the screen to help me better understand what's happening. And then I try to solve the problem. That's my usual way of working with something I'm not really familiar with. So what I'm hearing you say is uh, just kind of dive in and futz around with it. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> See what it no does, really, right? Yeah, exactly. That's really not like, there are no, not really better <laughs> ways of, of going around it. Yeah, there's no magic. And, you know, also the other things are just talking with someone who is a specialist there. Mm -hmm. if, if you do have someone who right. worked in that in that area so that's also helpful because especially like you work in a team so probably there was someone who has some knowledge about it before you and of course uh, googling looking for any uh, materials on the internet or if you have a book about it that's also helpful but but yeah that's that's kind of like step by step what I usually do and going in with that, how was it like working with a team and how's important to be able to communicate your ideas? Oh, that's definitely extremely important. And, uh, you know, programmers, we do work a lot. A lot of the time we do work alone, working just with code. 
but being able to communicate and being able to kind of cooperate with other people is just crucial to 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 achieve success with your project uh especially you know it's kind of um, initial con con initial like con conversation with someone about the problem uh and then later checking the progress uh did you solve your problem what's what's blocking you again uh or how far you are from reaching the goal and defining the goal uh how we want to solve the problem those are kind of typical things you you talk about when you cooperate with other people and you know what's the funny thing about it is that many times me or other people uh when we have a problem just talking about that problem to other people other programmers helps you to solve the problem really it's is just as easy as it is because just talking about the problem helps you you know understand better the problem uh you know mm -hmm. connect those little points in your brain and being able to you know find the path to solution so you know just having someone to talk with without really uh really any response is just you know just talking about it it's extremely helpful Mm -hmm. It's a great answer. Uh, teamwork is very important. Uh, someone from uh, Naughty Dog said that one of the most important things they look for is someone who can communicate well and work well with others. Because you, yes. you need that good st structure to build something amazing and be able to effectively communicate with each other. Yes, exactly. That's very important. Um, but yes, I think, uh, I think that's all we got for today. And actually, We'd like to end it off with doing like a challenge for the game to the TV students. So if you have like a programming challenge or any type of challenge you'd like to give. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> yes, that's... Hmm. You know... I was planning to write an article about a um, very smart way of uh, managing like physical objects in the game. Uh, so I can give a kind of challenge to think about uh, how okay. would you do, how would you do uh, when you have, let's say, a field of cubes around you, let's say 5,000 cubes around you, and all of them, when you walk through them, will react physically to your movement as a player. So they will uh, rotate, they will push other cubes. Um, they will move according to physics law like using physics engine when you push one cube that cube can push other cube and they are kind of spread around you not very maybe dense but also still quite close to each other so you have kind of like a chessboard around you with like cubes on every on every field uh, and as i said it's like thousands of them uh, and you want to do it as efficient as possible. Uh, how would you think about programming that challenge? So when I think about um, if as efficient as possible, I'm thinking about having as little entities, as little actors in your world as possible. What I can hint is not about having 500 5,000 active actors with physics all the time at the same time. It's about having just a few of them active. How would you approach that problem to do it as efficient as possible? Hmm. <laughs> now you got Aaron's brain going. I don't know what I can answer, but I don't want to spoil it for our guests. <laughs> <laughs> what I can just, what I can uh, give maybe a little help. There is a book there. Um, 
which is called uh, just let me double check game programming patterns it is uh, written <laughs> that's great you know actually Damn, that is written by, by a game programmer from EA right now yep. he works at Google but he worked at EA um, and there is a chapter there just let me double check uh this book is available on Amazon. And I would say it's a really great book because it's not only about programming, but it gives you a really, really great solution to very, very common problems, specifically in game programming. Yeah. So that's why I believe this book is really, really great because of that. And I can just, I can recommend it probably immediately right now. Uh, I just wanted to double Check. Make sure that we're talking about the same one. You're talking about the one by Robert Nystrom? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. So, in, uh, in Chapter 6, there is a um, specific subchapter, subsection, yeah. uh, number 19, Object Pool. So that's a hint mm. for this challenge. <laughs> that's I think the biggest challenge we've ever gotten. That's a yeah, that's uh, a, that's quite yeah, a challenge. Is most yeah, of the it time is quite things a like you know, uh, you know, uh, go out there and and write a you know write a story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've got a figure out an algorithm to filter objects in a field of entities. I like it. I like yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so uh, thank you for coming on, Bart. Um, this so was much. an awesome conversation. Definitely learned a lot. Definitely a lot of valuable stuff for all the students. And uh, we would like to hand the mic to you to end it off with any shout-outs, any, any inspiration, anything you want. And uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. That was really great experience for me. And what I can say to everyone right now listening to this podcast, thank you so much for, for reaching the end. And I want to uh, say that uh, if you want to achieve great things and uh, really be an, uh, a top expert in your field, uh, you need to be really consistent, focused and motivated. And to keep you motivated, that's really about setting your high quality goals and just focus on this goal and I know it's not easy to reach your goal you will have a lot of struggles along the path but being able to overcome it is what gives you a success like at the end so please be motivated and reach your goals thank you so much well that's it thanks for listening you can find all gamedev.tv courses at courses.gamedev.tv slash courses or in the show notes with a 10% discount Get started with your game development journey today.